0: This episode of Talking Smith About Film is brought to you in a hybrid live and pre recorded format. We got pre empted a little bit, uh, so we're taping this around two and a half hours before we go to air this evening. Doesn't change the fact that we have a big announcement. It's just gone seven o'clock. It's Friday, the 14th of August. This is Talking Smith About Film. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening, depending on where you are, and welcome to Talking Smith About Film, the flagship podcast from LeeJackSmit.com, where, in a week, where Sean Connery was voted the best Bond, the letters WAP trended on Twitter as people got nostalgic about old school mobile phone internet, and nothing else. And Epic Games went to war against Apple over microtransactions. What else would you need from a film podcast than A Bro talking about some really actually good movies? My name's Jack Smith. It's an honour and a privilege to have you with me on what is a historic day for vjacksmith.com. Given things that have been happening, uh, I'm reliably informed in around 55 minutes from now, this phone. Is going to um, send me a little automated message um, about something. I've not it hasn't told me what it is yet, but there is something coming at the end of this show tonight that I think a lot of you've been waiting for. That, that's what it said anyway. Uh, let's get cracking on with the show because we really don't have much time to uh, to mess about it tonight. Here are all of the ways you can get involved with this week's awesome talking Split about film. Roll the music, music man. So you can go old school and email us using podcast at LeeJackSmith.com. You can tweet me directly at LeeJackSmith using hashtag TalkingSmith as well. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, we have you covered as well. At Smith on film on both of those platforms. Uh, you can submit questions on Lee Now, Unfortunately, because this is pre-recorded, I won't be able to see your live comments in studio tonight. There is a live chat to the right of me where you can see everything that's going on. I will be responding to him as this podcast airs, but I won't be able to see him actually as I record this, because of the way we're doing it tonight. This is Talking Smith about film. Without any further ado, let's get on with our first of three reviews tonight. Two of these reviews have never been on ejacksmith.com before. The first one went live last night, and it's a film one of our executive producers have been calling for a review for for a little while last year ryan johnson came out of nowhere with a film who done it that's very bold very different and very daring is it good well here's a for knives out harlan started out with a rusty smith corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time 30 languages over 80 million copies sold You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. (gasps) And your son ransom did he attend as well yes but he left early i think linda was upset walt would get a little irish courage in him he'd get into it with harlan what richard said what are you baiting me detective attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the matter of death you mean if someone killed him you think one of us one of his family walt, walt killed walt. him mr Blanc, i just buried my father who committed suicide why are you here I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Harlan was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Harlan planning on cutting off Joni? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice, oh, Ransom. 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 You're so cute. You gotta do this more right, often. Serious. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. And we are not finished untangling it. Not yet. waiting for the big reveal. All of them lied to me. There is one guilty party behind it all. You know something. Spill it. Oh my god. Tell me what happened to my grandfather. I think you have something you want to tell me. (gasps) Well, this is a very, very refreshing take on Who Done It. You know the basic plot: a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, very combat-heavy family, and with people like Ryan Johnson involved, with people like Daniel Craig involved, you know exactly what you're going to get. But with with Johnson, especially, goes that independent flair. Especially when it comes to the way he creates his characters, because, let's be real, with our clip that we've got, would you expect James Bond to utter stuff like this? But, I spoke in the car about the hole at the centre of this donut, and what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems, at first glance, to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its centre. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. Mark. <laughs> I could not not use that as a clip. Uh, this was another very highly anticipated review. Uh, i had been lobbied into this for a few weeks now. Uh, Last year did give us a lot of surprises. Joker, Huskers, uh, a few others, all of which have been reviewed on Talking Smith about film now. Uh, They were all hyped up and they successfully delivered on the expectations, and this latest work from Ryan Johnson certainly does that, and more. Is it safe to say that, um, well, he can be forgiven for The Last Jedi? I think he can. And he does this in a very unique way. He writes and directs this one very well, creating a truly unique and bold narrative that takes the, the stuff that he did on his early works, like 2005's Brick, uh, 2008's The Brothers, Brothers Bloom, and of course, 2012's Looper, one of the best science fiction films of all time. Don't come at me. Um, he does things that you can really only get away with in an indie film, that he's just happened to be given a Hollywood budget to do. and That's the sort of film I want to see more often. It's not often that you get directors doing films that they really want to make and doing it their way without the studio impinging on their vision too much. And yeah, it's a two-hour ten-minute film. It's paced rig really well. I felt it could have been trimmed down a little bit. A couple of minutes of could have been could have been gone in me. Uh, but that, I'm really nitpicking when it comes to the pacing. Uh, there are a few minutes here and there I'd like say, but there is enough room for this movie to breathe, and it keeps the tension going throughout. You're legitimately trying to figure out who did it. Was it uh, was it the Chris Evans character? Was it the Anna De Armas character? Was it? Uh, anyone else because this cast is is insane I'll I'll detail more about the cast in a minute Uh, but this is a complex story an incredibly complex story and it doesn't feel that mental it really doesn't it keeps you hanging right up until um, it all gets revealed which is you don't get in a whodunit. You really don't get in a whodunit nowadays. Now, all of Johnson's car racers are back. Uh, his cousin Nathan handled the score and nailed it, as he usually does. Steve Yedlin on camera duties, who, again, can do no wrong there. But where this cast... My God, this cast. This cast... Uh, are the epitome of what happens when you get a Star Wars gig. Everyone in Hollywood wants to work with you. Having such a group like this on any film is a huge deal. And ahead of No Time to Die's release this November, it is fantastic to see the chemistry between Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas working together on screen for the first time. I can totally see why he wanted her uh, to be part of No Time to Die. Cuz they obviously had a lot of fun working together and they carry this film so well. If their work here is there anything to go by, this next Bond film is going to be quite something. Supporting them, and this is quite a long list here, we've got Christopher Plummer, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, LaKeith Stanfield of Sorry to Bother You fame, Catherine Langford from Stranger Things, Frank Actual Oz, you know, the the, the voice of many Muppets back in the day. Sorry, oh, hang on. Muppets are real. Uh, And, of course, a small bit part, Lincoln, you'll miss him from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's worked on a lot of Ryan Johnson's films today. That list is insane, and they all put in some great work, particularly Chris Evans, who, for the first time since Captain America, is playing a completely different character type to what we know him for. It fe- for a lot of people, it felt like he'd been typecast as the, the greatest ass in America. But it feels so good... To see him play something against type, which is what which is big in its own right, let's be real. Knives Out is a damn good murder mystery film. It takes the conventions of the genre adds a little bit of that Ryan Johnson flair, some great performances and some dark humour too. It passed the six laugh test. Uh, to create something really unique. Uh, Lionsgate have already confirmed the sequel is in motion Johnson's written it, it's in development We don't know when it's going to shoot because Covid has uh, struck the whole industry But I really can't wait to see more of the, uh, my second favourite detective in the world Benoit Blanc uh, doing a masterclass in uh, how it's done It's a go out and see it now kind of film It is a go out and see it now kind of film and it is best enjoyed if you don't know anything. Because that final reveal is quite something. So, just coming up. Albeit, if my calculation's correct, it's just coming up for 12 minutes past 7. Uh, it's time to do the Film News Rundown. And it's been a relatively quiet week in the industry, hasn't it? It's been a really quiet week in the industry. Why? Why? Because Tenet tickets have finally gone on sale. Um, They went on sale here in the UK on Wednesday. America will get them next week when they get the Inception reissue. From the early stats I've heard from one particular chain, it accounted for 60% of all bookings this week, which is incredible. Cinema is back and we stand a good chance at recovering. In other exhibition news, City World have reopened all of their cinemas in Wales as of today. They're coming to the end of their first day of business. Great to see more sites reopen. I hope we get news about View Preston soon. I really hope we do. It's been too long. But the scene is looking good. Let's get on to actual proper film news. Garth Davis is set to direct a new Tron film with Jared Leto attached. Fans of Tron Legacy are a little bit heartbroken because it's not going to be a direct sequel of sorts. They want a sequel to Tron Legacy, not another standalone film or a reboot. I don't know where I stand. Disney just want to milk every every last bit of money they can with live action remakes, especially with Mulan. Uh, ben Affleck uh, is also going to be directing a brand new film as well uh, called The Big Goodbye. It'll be an adaptation of a book about the making of Rogan Polanski's 1974 classic Chinatown. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this film because when Affleck's there put in the director's chair, you know he can turn out a good film. Obviously, Chinatown, one of the most iconic films of all time, Jack Nicholson fade in it is going to be an insight to really see how this film got made. Obviously, Polanski's name. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. Uh, a lot of news coming out of Bloomhouse this week. Uh, Amazon have teamed up for an eight-film deal. No news, uh, not much news about that at this moment in time. Uh, we'll get to the other Bloomhouse story in a but I just have to mention this very quickly before we do the end finally. Jean-Luc Godard's Breakfast, for which I have the old remaster of right here this is being remastered into 4k we'll get a new 4k blu-ray of 1959 film breakfast oh that's gonna that's gonna look and sound so good breakfast is the film that began the french new wave for those of you interested and if you're doing film studies at a level this year you might want to look into that and finally elizabeth moss We'll be working with Bloomhouse on a new film. Following the success of The Invisible Man in February, even with *Pvod*, she'll be making another film called Mrs. March. It's currently in development at the studio. No release date yet, but it should be good. That was your film news rundown. <sighs> wow. So, review one down. time to do review two. And it's a film I can literally talk for hours about. When we began these lockdown talking split about film podcasts, um, I wanted to do a new release and an old release, back to back. And it just so happens that the next two reviews are, are old releases. Uh, but they are old releases that have never actually been reviewed on any of the Jack Smith products, whether it's a blog, whether it's a journal, or whether it's here on Talking Smith About Film. And it just so happens that this particular film that I'm about to review next, and I know if Ed Greenberg is watching, he's going to get a real, real hit of nostalgia. Um, this film... Celebrates its 35th anniversary this year. I've seen it on the big screen for the 25th, and well, need I say any more? We're not even going to bother playing a clip for this film because it is just one of those films, you all know it. This is the trailer for the 35th anniversary reissue of Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future. Huh? Had a horrible nightmare. Dreamed that I went back in time. Well, safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 1955? Doc, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it... If you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Aim it fly. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. You're my man. You're my you back to the future God it is good to see one of my absolute favourite films of all time backing in cinemas uh, Marty McFly you all know the plot Marty McFly 17 year old high school student is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time travelling DeLorean invented by his close friend the eccentric Dr Emmett Brown where do i even begin on this movie i'll begin and i'm improv i'm completely improvising here it's directed by robert zemeckis it's a nice and tight one hour 56 minute film it's a pg nowadays and sure there is some problematic stuff in there it came out in 1985 because standards have changed quite a bit it's aged well it has aged like a fine wine it gets better every time you watch it what zemeckis does and obviously Bob Gale was involved on script-writing duties. Um, What it does is it takes science fiction and it makes it relatable. You don't need to understand. There are very clear influences, but there are moments in this film where you don't feel like, oh, I can totally get on board with this. It feels believable. It feels true. And while some elements of the film really haven't aged well, particularly... Subplots involving Libyan terrorists and the um, stealing of plutonium, which is—it's a ludicrous bit of the film—but in the eighties, it it made a lot more sense. There are a lot of this elements of the film that still work thirty-five years on, uh, and were successful enough to warrant the trilogy being made. And I, I hold the trilogy is one of the best cinematic achievements of all time. Uh, I'm I'm trying not to say the M word yet, but. But it is one of those kinds of films. Uh, The music... um, The music is iconic in itself. You have the legendary Alan Silvestri on Scoring GCs. And that main theme... When I get back to view, whatever that may be, I hope that music is playing in the foyer when I make my return. Because that is one of the greatest bits of film music of all time. It's been on many a pre-film playlist in the build-up to... uh, going in and the cinematography from from dean Cundy is is also top class as well obviously was made in 1985 the technology wasn't as great as it was then but with Cundy cinematography and the fantastic work of industrial light and magic on the visual effects side of things a lot of it done in camera a lot of the effects were done in camera the time travel feels believable you feel like, you are watching a 17-year-old kid learn more about his parents, learn more about his story, try not to interfere with space-time continuing enough that his existence in 1985 is secure. And obviously we got the two sequels that went to, t- to their version of 2015 and 1885, but this truly was the film that made it all happen. Now, for the cast. goes to lead performances are really where this movie work so much. Michael J. Fox and Chris Lloyd as Marcy and the Doc respectively. So many quotable lines, so many memorable moments, whether it's Marcy waking his dad up with the Eddie Van Halen tape, uh, whether it's the first time we actually see Einstein the dog in a DeLorean for the first time and they send him two minutes into the future, uh, whether it's the dance, the school dance scene in 1955, uh, where you, the Johnny Be Good sequence happens, or wh- whether it's um, good old Biff Tannen, the skateboard chase, and the fact that he hates manure, there are so many great moments in this film. It's untrue, but you got Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd leading, supporting them are uh, a cast that's just a so good. Leah Thompson. Uh, Crispin Glover, Cordia Wells, who was um, replaced for Back to the Future Part 2. Thomas F. Wilson as Biff. Uh, Who else? Billy Zane pops up. Speak to your friend, Billy Zane. This is just such a good film. It's such a good feel-good film as well. It's one of those movies that you can just come back to time and time again. And that's even. Again, this is before I mention the fact that they've got... not just the score but the soundtrack you heard it in the, the, the little trailer Huey Lewis and the News got their big global break I mean they were big already but they got their big global break with this film Power of Love and Back in Time When I Do My Radio Show Again those are two songs that are going to be on our A playlist because they are not just iconic but they are that damn good this is a film that gets everything right and Sure, not all of you have ever had a chance to watch it on a big screen. I have. I was lucky 10 years ago. But seeing this film is a rite of passage. Seeing this film truly feels like a rite of passage in this industry. Because you are seeing what is one of the greatest masterpieces of all time. There, I said it. It's a masterpiece. It is one of those kinds of films. It truly is. It is a film that doesn't do things by half. It is a film that gets everything right. And why does it get everything right? Steven Spielberg, executive, produced it at the height of his career. Need we say any more? But yes, Back to the Future is a bona fide, a masterpiece. And eventually, who knows, maybe further down the line, we'll break the whole trilogy down, film by film, in a special Talking smith about film in the future. But we do have some very important things to do right here and right now. And those very important things involve box office st- stats. As you can tell, the heat's really got to me this week. It was 30 degrees in here yesterday listeners and viewers so that's why we're pre-taping it so our box office top 15 for this week now including uk and i've we'll have welsh cinemas to report on in two weeks time why no podcast next week well you're gonna have to hang around for our little announcement later might have something to do with it but in 15th place this week was Gold rings fellowship of the ring uh, back in cinemas. Uh it's the extended edition that uh currently it's currently playing. Third week back for that. Did eleven thousand seven hundred and sixty eight pounds up to £70,933 70, for Warner. Girl be happy it's doing very well. At fourteenth I'm glad that this is in the top 15 this week, knowing that Bloomhouse are working with Elizabeth Moss again. Invisible Man is still in the top 15. 24 weeks in the chart now, did 11,923 from the UK cinemas. It's up to 6.7 million now, which, given the lockdown, is very impressive. Uh, at 13th, Matrix is back in the top 15. The Matrix is back the first one, not the other two. Uh, the 4K restoration that went out last year, uh, they put it back in cinemas, it did 12,243. Uh, from UK sites this week. It is up to 434,000 in its current print, which is, again, very good going for Warner. They're, they'll be happy with the of box office dominance they've got this week. They've got literally the whole back end of the top... top, uh, Yeah, back end of the top ten, really. Because uh, at twelve is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Obviously, the original Potter films have been put back in cinemas. Uh, and a lot of the diehard fans have been going back and watching them for the first time on the big screen since... Uh, they actually came out uh, it's just showing that the books and the, and the the films of cross-generational appeal shame about the author um, that's, you know, that's as political as you're going to get out of me uh, but it did £12,706 in UK cinemas this week uh, lifetime gross is £49.9 million, so it'll break the £50 million mark uh, within the next couple of weeks if uh, Tenet doesn't preempt everything Uh, And speaking of tenet, um, the Nolan invasion begins in the top top fifteen because eleventh is Interstellar. Three hundred and one weeks in cinemas, according to ComScore, it did twelve thousand seven hundred fifty-one pounds. It was very close this week. It was so tight this week. It's up to twenty point eight million pounds from UK cinemas, and we will be reviewing. Stella, on the next talking Smith about film. Oh yeah, we're actually doing it. But that is the back end of the top ten. Those aren't the figures that count. These are the ones that do. Fingers crossed, because I've been playing around with the tech setup this week. There shouldn't be a delay between me hitting this button and you hearing the music anymore. So, without any further ado, this is the top 10 for the week ending today <laughs> At 10th place this week is Lord of the Rings Two Towers Extended Edition 2 weeks in the charts there it is up to thirteen thousand and five pounds lifetime gross and this particular cut is £35,300 for Warner they'll be happy with that At 9th is The Vigil 2nd week in the chart for Vertigo 16000 dead made it's up to £55,959 not the opening it would have liked but we'll have to deal with it. Uh, eight is the film that got us blocked last week. It's The Greatest Showman. 20,182 pounds from UK cinemas is up to 49.4 million. Fox will be happy that it's continuing to get the crowds in as we build ever closer to the big, great restart, as I like to joke. at uh, seventh is Trolls World Tour. Still hanging around, isn't it? 21,716 pounds from UK cinemas It's up to 290,925. Even with video on demand, it is still performing very well here in the UK, and I'm very glad about that because we need all the help we can get right now, you know, get people through the doors. So what we want, and then at six, is Jurassic Park. 26,000 made for this, reissues at 117,000 with this digital print, which is good. Top five time. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back enters its fourth week in a reissue. Twenty-seven thousand six hundred seventeen pounds made from UK cinemas, it's up to seven point four million, which again very good go. At four is a brand new entry, American Pickle went straight to HBO Max in America, did twenty-seven thousand seven hundred thirty-one from UK cinemas this week. Very good opening considering all the competition. At three is one hundred percent Wolf from Vertigo. Second week in the chart did 42,500 up to 128,570. And at two, no change on last week is Onward, which did 46,576 pounds up to 5 million overall. And of course, that means Unhinged is your UK number one for a second week in a row. Slightly down on last week, it only did 117,632 from UK cinemas, but just proves that the demand is still there and comscore have tweeted out some very interesting stats uh over the last two days in particular i'm just going very trip very 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 quickly trying to pull these stats up uh because uh inception got reissued on wednesday so last night um was very promising for the events Uh, Trafalgar Releasing's uh, Elvis That's the Way It Is grossed over £84,000 for Thursday. That is the highest single-day figure for any movie that has been released since cinemas reopened just over a month ago. That is so impressive. And Inception, we can tell you that on Wednesday alone... It did forty-two thousand pounds, so I think we have a good idea what our number one next week is going to be. So I'm going to rest my throat up for the next trade because so, I've been going at non-stop for a little over half an hour now. Uh, but this next film is a film that we're probably going to have to mark this podcast as explicit just to talk about. It is an 18-certificate film, and it's a Scorsese film. It is a Sc- it is a Scorsese film, so you know what you're letting yourself in for. Um, it's a shame that I don't think this one's back in cinemas, but it is one of those films that took the world by surprise. This is the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a fugazi is? Oh, fugazi, it's a fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozi, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. Well, don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money take your booze. Technically you do work for me. Calm But what watched you bring home? Oh my god. FBI. Any kind of booze you might want? No, the bureau forbids us from drinking. Duh. Ah! So follow me, you're good. Ah! I'm doing by hunting, I'm out of control. Ah! But there's nowhere to go. Ah! And there's no way to slow yes! If I knew what I knew in the past I would have been like that on your How does this actually work? There's okay. a big money sign They get launched at the tide, they stick yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart One, two, three! Stop, okay? Safety first, safety is Safety is it. first We okay. don't want to get a bad reputation i right. And I'm told, and I think I'm possessed It's the omen I keep it 300 Like the Romans 300 We're the Trojans Baby, we live. Come on. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, where do we even begin on this film? Do we begin with? The themes, the topics... Well, we're going to begin as we usually do... The hypnosis... Based on the true story of Jordan Belfort... From his from his rise to a celebrity... Uh, he was a wealthy stockbroker... Living a high life to his fall... Revolving crime... Corruption... And the federal government... This is an 18 certificate... For very, very, very good reason... Before we play the clip... And we've deliberately picked this particular clip uh, because, well, all will become apparent at the end of the podcast to why we've picked this particular clip. But this film got the 18 for, uh, and I'm going to quote the vapes in here very strong language, strong sex, and hard drug use. Uh, frequent use of the F bomb, mother effer. Sea sucker and the sea bomb You know The one word that you cannot say Anywhere unless it's after 10 o'clock In the evening uh, Frequent strong sex scenes Scenes of drug misuse including cocaine smoking. Uh, occasionally during sex scenes and off naked bodies We don't even mention, we don't want to mention The word quaaludes either um, This is a brutal film And one of the most complained about films to the BBFC of all time But it's not all about the drugs and the lavish lifestyle. There are also heartfelt scenes um, where Belfort tells his employees that he's not going anywhere. Here's a clip I'm not leaving. (laughs) I'm not leaving. Leave it. Yeah. The show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. <laughs> They're going to need to send in the National Guard a fucking swag. Do we really need to say any more than that? I mean, there is one thing I I, want to say about that particular clip, but I can't say it because I'm... Because, again, all will become clear. But this is... It's a bloody long film. It is a long film. Not as long as The Irishman. But this is a two-hour-fifty-nine film. But... It feels like the perfect length. What Scorsese does with this film, he directs it so well. It's a Scorsese film. That's all you need to say about the direction. It's a Martin Scorsese film. One of his better films. He's able to, with Terence Winter as well, because Terence Winter wrote the script, the pair of them are able to make the story breathe. There's a lot going on over the three hours and it's a proper three-act structure as well. You see the rise of Belfort at the height of his game and his downfall and redemption. And... Sure, he might have. The su- real Belfort might have sued Paramount uh, over elements of the story, but that's irrelevant. This is a movie. Elements of, of this kind of thing it do have to be fiction, but the power of them are able to make this three-hour film work so well. They're able to balance the light and the dark. There is a lot of humour in there. There is also a lot of brutal moments, as we discussed when I mentioned the BBFC uh, rating. But this is. This is a true story. It is hard to believe that it is true. Uh, and the way this story is told, obviously, there is no score of sorts because it's a Scorsese film. He never really has scores. But I do have to mention the cinematography from Rodrigo Prieto, who's worked with um, Scorsese and obviously Editor of film Machine Maker uh, a lot over the last couple of years. Um, this is so exquisitely shot. Like the way this film, on a visual standpoint, is put together, it just works so well. They got very inventive, obviously, shot entirely digital. This was the first major movie from Hollywood Studio, uh, back when it came out, to have an entirely digital release. They didn't put any physical 35mm prints, Seemingly, that the age of old-school projection was indeed over. That's one for the nerds, that one. Um, but the way this film is put together is quite something, it is a visual feast uh, best enjoyed on a big screen, shame no cinema has taken a chance uh, of actually programming it because it's an 18 film and 18 films traditionally don't do that well, unless it's called Gone Girl uh, but of course, uh, bring all that together, and technically you've got a very strong, it works on many levels, it's a film you can re-watch time and time again but that's not the magic ingredient. With a film like this, you need a cast that works on many levels. And yes, it's all good having Leo as, as playing Belfort, one of his best performances, obviously not the performance that won him the Oscar. That would come two years later with The Revenant. But with Jonah Hill doing a rare serious role as, as good old Donnie, uh, Matt McConaughey At the height of the reconnaissance. Uh, you have Carl Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Berthold John Favreau, Jana Lemley Popping up uh, Shea Wiggum uh, It's such a good cast But where a, Where a particular Subsection of audience members uh, Went into this film Was a certain Margot Robbie Who Hadn't really been heard of unless you watched certain Australian soap operas back in the day, because, yes, she was in Home and Away for a little bit. Or Neighbours. I I don't know the film's story. But Margot Robbie got her first big break in Hollywood with this film. And looking back on it now, knowing the career that she's now had, looking back with films like I, Tonya, Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, Many other developments Including Bombshell as well She was in Bombshell Came out before the lockdown Haven't had a chance to watch it yet The J Roach film Surprised that that particular movie Was directed by the the same dude who did uh, Austin Powers Yeah this, This industry is strange But having this incredible cast of talents Especially DiCaprio and Margot Robbie together This is a film That just Gets So many things right And it's not everyone's cup of tea it is, a, for many, a film that you'll have to break into multiple sittings, but it is a film that you kind of have to see to believe, just to see the amount of ludicrous stuff that Belfort got up to, because, yeah, I know, I know that this is a true story, it's based on a book by Belfort, and the ability of which has been uh, kind of tested, but this film broke new ground for Hollywood because it showed things that um, they traditionally wouldn't have shown, and on top of that, it kind of co- links into um, the last episode of the journal that I did with Noxie. Because, um, yes, I've been I, me and I have been texting for the last couple of weeks. Um, it kind of leads into the journal me and Noxie did, because uh, the lawyers who worked on Wolf of Wall Street, getting that one over the line, also worked on Huskers as well. And with all the um, Pallava going on with Huskers and the, the real version of the Jennifer Lopez character suing STX for damages, saying that they got her character wrong... This film really broke new ground for the whole industry because it said to everyone, look, don't be afraid to be edgy. Don't be afraid to get experimented. Don't be afraid to look at the most unorthodox stories for your film. Do not be afraid to push the bars further. Audience demand is there. You just needed an auteur director like I was going to say Nolan, because I always say auteur, oh, director Christopher Nolan. So an auteur like Scorsese, you have that unique style. You know what you're letting yourself in for. You need someone with the borgs of Scorsese to make a film like The Wolf of Wall Street. And when it happened in 2013, the whole world lapped up this film, and quite rightly so. Uh, it is a film... Again, I'm torn. Do do I give it a go out and see it now or do I give it a masterpiece? I'm going to uh, on the side of caution because I know we don't have um, a lot of people who watch this film who are legally of age to watch this movie because it is, I've got to factor in the Americans because this was a hard R in America and an R rating is basically 12A but bring an adult with you. Yeah, the MVAA are very different when it comes to our BBFC. Glad we've got them. Uh, screw it. I'm going to give it a masterpiece. I'm going to give this film a masterpiece. That's two of them I've dished out tonight. Didn't want to have to dish out any of them. Uh, well, I, I kind of had to see for Back to the Future because it's one of those kinds of films. But. This is a masterpiece. This is an absolute masterpiece. It got awards attention uh, earlier on in 2013. And again, quite rightly so. So we are coming up. We've got like another 15 minutes on our time slot tonight. Uh, Just um, keeping up on everything. One thing I do have to mention before um, we wrap up tonight. Uh, Tenet tickets are on sale. Uh, but the, the surprising thing uh, For me I was not expecting this to happen When the tickets went live on Wednesday um, I wasn't expecting any drive-ins to get it And I, I'm, I'm like, really happy to reveal That a lot of drive-ins around the UK Have got tenant Either day of release Or the Friday to Thursday after From the 28th of August So there will be a lot of places That you can safely and responsibly Go out and watch the latest work from Christopher Nolan. Um, because I'm so excited to see that film. It's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. I I cannot wait to see it. I really cannot wait to see it. Whenever that might be. Whenever that may be. Uh, well, we can confirm that because it's booked. I will be reviewing it on release day. Somewhere. I will be reviewing it on release day somewhere. Um, because... I kind of have to see it first day. And for those of you in America who are watching, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this right now. The review of Tenet on the blog will be spoiler-free. There will be no details about the plot, just what Warner have released. Uh, we've got podcasts uh, in two weeks' time, where we review the film, because we're going to be reviewing Tenet on the 28th of August. Uh, there will be minimal plot details... And then the second half of the podcast, when it comes round to Tenet time, the second half of that review, we will give the rating and then we will go into minor spoiler territory. That's how we did it on the old radio show. But that is how we are going to review Tenet. I might as well tell you what we're doing on the next Talking Smithback Film while we're here. Now... I am a little bit busy next Friday, so there's going to be no Talking back film live next week. Uh, but we'll be back for ten in two weeks' time. And it's going to be a big episode. It's probably going to be another pre-record because uh, it's going to be a pretty long one um, because we are going to do quite a big task. Um, obviously, we reviewed Inception uh, here on the podcast uh, a few months ago now, actually, during the, um, the early days of the lockdown. It was the uh, infamous baby driver episode where we uh, where content ID took us down first time round, but uh, we'll be reviewing all of the Nolan films on the blog. that haven't been reviewed today, so that includes the Dark Knight trilogy. We'll do like a retrospective for all three of them. Uh, we will be doing uh, Prestige. We'll be doing Interstellar. We'll be doing Following. We'll be doing Dunkirk. Most importantly, and we'll be closing on Tenant. Uh, it's a I was tempted to call this special Nolan Me, Nolan You, but I'm reliably informed that another podcast had already taken that name. And yeah, that's a good Alan Partridge pun, if ever there was one. Uh, but with that, that is pretty much it for this week's Talking Smith About Film. We'll be back in two weeks' time uh, with Tenet. Um, See, so yeah, it, it's been a good one this week. Reviewing Reviewing a um a couple of movies that I really enjoyed. I, I don't get to do it often. I really don't get to do it that often. I, I should I should do it more. It's this is one of the great things about the um about doing this podcast during lockdown because you really don't know what's going to happen. You genuinely don't know what's going to happen. See, you've got good films, you've got bad films, but sometimes. The best surprises come out of nowhere. Oh, hang on, I think this must be a voice message. The automatic doors to Smith Isolation Station Two Four Six Zero One have opened. Please put on your face mask, your jeans, your blazer, and prepare to return to the office, Mr. Smith. Please play the video file that has just appeared in OBS. I hope this means what I think it means. Roll VT. years ago it all began in that building behind me and being able to sort of return on a weekly basis to my home cinema is uh, something that makes me feel incredibly proud well hello and a very warm welcome to this week's talking smith about film podcast live from the view cinema here in preston and I literally stood outside the cinema waiting for them to open for the morning. That was the worst-kept secret in Preston's cinema industry right now. But the rumours are true. View Preston is back open next Friday. And it means I'm going back with them. I have known about this for three weeks. I have known about this for nearly three weeks, and I could not say anything Until tickets had gone on sale. And, well, tickets are now on sale for Tenet. And, surprisingly, we have beaten the local press to it. There's been nothing in the Lancashire Evening Post. There's been nothing on blog press. And so this is kind of a world exclusive. VIEW is back next Friday. I'm reliably informed that Graham Royston and the team are in the building right now, getting staff trained up. All staff do a mandatory two days of training before they're even allowed back in the building. Uh, for those of you who are local to Preston, this is what I'm aware of. Uh, there'll be a socially distanced queue line in foyer for concessions. Uh, online booking is going to be advised, uh, which is why I'm able to say literally right here and right now that I have my tickets for Tenet, Already, I'm not going to show it much on camera, but this is my ticket for tenant. be seeing it on August 26th. Uh, i got screen six myself, which is really good, back in the old home. Uh, well, last year's marathon finished, believe it or not. But I'll have a social distance queue line. I'll probably have a one-way system around the of big news for me, the Starbucks machine is going to be operational. One change, that they're going to make all condiments are going to be behind the tools, but they all know how to make an oil Grey for me anyway. Um... But I am so excited to get back in there next week. It has been a long five months and five days. That's how long this cinema has been closed. Uh, But if you're local view, um, if you're wondering when they are going to reopen, well, I know how it's all going to work now. Uh, They announced it all on Wednesday with Tenet going on sale. Um, So they're going to open 38 cinemas next Friday. Uh, which again, knowing our local catchment, will include the following cinemas. So, in Phase Two A, opening next week, and ten it on sale now. Uh, specifically, in the Northwest, Birmingham Star City, Bolton, Darlington, Leeds Kirkstall, and Leeds Light. Which good luck to them because they're reopening as a fully recliner cinema uh, for the first time since uh, it all kicked off. Obviously, us, Sheffield, York, a couple of others, including a flagship in Leicester Square. Head to the view website for more information on those. And then the week after, on Tenant Day itself, Accrington, Blackburn, Barrow, Carlisle, Cleveley's, Halifax, Inverness, Lancaster, uh, all the London sites, Manchester Printworks, the IMAX will be back open for Tenant. Uh, and yeah basically where else go. 2 will be opening a little bit later Exeter and Croydon you are having refurbishments um, so you'll be open on the 28th and the 31st respectively and only one cinema from view will be remain permanently closed and that's Acton reliably informed that it's uh, lease issues that have caused them to close but view's open next week and more Odeon sites are open next week as well Odeon are opening press next Friday as well so I have access to new films again for the first couple of weeks at least I'm going to be based at View and Real, so like alternating week on week well actually not quite week on week it'll be like every two weeks because I'm, I'm doing it responsibly I'm quarantining every two weeks uh, but we will have new films again we will have the best big screen experience in the world and on top of that we can finally begin production for series three of The Journal because it all hinged on that cinema being open, we will explain more about why we had to wait until view reopened a little bit later on in the autumn. Because the next series, the Journal, is coming out in the winter. It's going to be a late release this time round. Why? Well, again, that'll be giving the game away. But that really is it for this week's Talking Smith About Film. That was a moment I have been waiting five months for, but the rumours are true. V. Preston is open as of next week. It is coming up on 7.55 now. Again, if all calculations are correct and my OBS doesn't crash halfway through, that's your lot for this week. So, we will see you in two weeks' time, fresh from the office. But for now... My name's Jack Smith. You've heard me talk nonsense about films for an hour. View team, I will see you next Friday. But for everyone else, we will see you in the foyer. I can say that again. Take it easy, stay safe, enjoy Tenet, and we'll see you in two weeks' time.